Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of mTOR You Know podcast. My name is Kirsty Freebert, the current PGY2 solid organ transplant resident at Oshner Medical Center in New Orleans, Louisiana. Today, I want to bring to you an interesting patient case, clinical pearl, and review of a recent article that was published by Sadie and colleagues entitled Detrimental Impact of Immunosuppressive Burden on Clinical Course in Patients with Cytomegalovirus Infection After Liver Transplantation, published in November of 2023 in Transplant Infectious Diseases. First, starting with the recently published article, for some background, immunosuppressive regimens heavily focus on the prevention of rejection. However, with improvements of length of survival for our liver transplant patients, the concern for long-term safety outcomes and quality of life has been becoming a stronger and stronger focal point. Cytomegalovirus, or CMV, being an opportunistic infectious complication that we commonly see in our liver transplant patients, affects our medication management as well as our patients' qualities of life. This study aimed to see the impact of individualized immunosuppressive regimens and the risk-adjusted tapering on the clinical course of patients with CMV developing after transplantation. At the hospital in Berlin, adult liver transplant patients from 2006 to 2018 were retrospectively analyzed. They periodically followed up in clinic anywhere from two times per week to every 12 weeks for assessment. Their CMV PCR was repeated once a week upon discharge at the, and then at routine scheduled intervals, for example, 3, 6, and 12-month intervals. Routine immunosuppression consisted of a calcineurin inhibitor, mycophenolate, an mTOR inhibitor, and steroids, which were all individualized per patient. The patients were then further classified into three groups based on immunosuppressive burden, being low, medium, and high, and this was based on a stratification score introduced by Basudev and colleagues, and then further stratified based on minimization of immunosuppression into aggressive minimization, minimization, conventional exposure, and high exposure. Proceeding to the results of the study, there were 867 patients included, majority were male, and around 56 years old. 19.8% of the patients had a high-risk serology, that being donor-positive, recipient-negative, but the most common was donor-positive, recipient-positive at 34% of the cases. CMV prophylaxis was administered in 57% of the patients based on the institutional protocol. 37.5% of the patients had CMV infection with a median time of around 28 days. 83% of the cases happened in 90 days post-liver transplant. Some correlations that were seen was induction therapy with antithymocyglobulin, more patients had a CMV infection, if either of the serologies were positive, whether that be donor or recipient, and then as well as more rejection in the patients that were CMV positive. To note, the immunosuppressive regimens didn't highly differ between the CMV negative and positive groups. Trocolomus was the mainstay in both of the regimens, however. The immunosuppression intensity scoring didn't show a difference in immunosuppressive burden between the CMV negative and positive groups, and there was no statistically significant difference in the TAC levels at the time of infections in either group. 
With this all being said, and thinking about why we should be in the know about this study, although this study did not demonstrate that a CMV infection is immunosuppressive dose dependent, it more enhanced the process of how important individualized immunosuppression is, as CMV is without a doubt immunosuppression induced, especially in our patient population with a positive serology, whether that being donor or recipient positive. This further confirms each patient needs a proper balance of immunosuppression based on a case-by-case presentation to most optimize immunosuppression and balance that important risk between infection and rejection. Now, going into an interesting patient case, on the Immunocompromised Infectious Diseases Service, there was a liver transplant recipient from July of 2023 that presented with headache and fever. The patient was originally placed on Zosin. They drew blood cultures and urine cultures. The patient then continued to be febrile with no growth to date in the blood cultures or urine cultures. The patient was escalated to Zosin and vancomycin and fungal markers were sent off. The fungal markers came back negative and the patient was still continuing to be febrile. The infectious diseases services ended up sending off a non-invasive blood test or the carious that would detect for over a thousand different organisms. The test resulted and the patient ended up having rickettsia typhi and was placed on a regimen of doxycycline for which her fevers and headaches subsided. This case was a great experience to work through the best management of the patient, thinking about risk versus benefits in treating this concurrent infection, as well as still thinking about rejection risk with reducing immunosuppression, as well as if, if this case was in a kidney transplant patient or heart transplant or lung transplant, what may we have done differently? And lastly, a clinical pearl that I learned at the beginning of this year was that high-dose prednisone has been seen to actually act as a CYP3A4 and P-glycoprotein inducer. Therefore, with higher doses of prednisone, we may see lower tacrolimus concentrations. We may expect to increase in our tacrolimus total daily dose if our patients are on high dose of steroids, or we may expect to decrease in tacrolimus total daily dose once tapering down on high-dose steroids. Thank you for tuning in.